This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. They both come in giftable boxes with savings up to $46 and free shipping for a limited time. Go to OSEAMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are recording this on Tuesday, November 10th, and we have a lot to talk about. We will discuss football. We will preview the start of the basketball season. These games count now. But first, it is my turn driving the clown car this week. I'm Donald Wine. I'm Blazing DW on the DBR forums. The regular Channel 4 news team members have assembled once again with me first. <laughs> first, we have Jason, who's laughing, reporting from Atlanta. Jason, what's up, man? I love it. The Channel 4 news team. Yes. Can I be Brick? I want to be Brick. You can be Brick, as long as I'm Ron Burgundy, with question mark. Hey, now. Actually, that's not Brick. I, I, I'm doing the wrong character. You're already. Champ. You must be Champ. I'm, uh, I'm Champ I, Kind. I was going to ask if I could be Champ Kind. Um, but that would require me to go leave the room and put my uh, cowboy hat on. Well, you can put the cowboy hat on. And everybody, that is Sam Klein, a.k.a. Dev 11. He's holding it down in Denver, a.k.a. Champ Kine. Whammy. Okay. <laughs> Whammy. <laughs> I, think, I, th- I think that means that I'm the sports one on this podcast. Um, yeah, that's it. So yeah. Just, oh, just so you guys God. know, I'm, I'm the sports one. So you guys are going to need some kind of other uh, expertise. We, we, we're going to need to find someone out there to be uh, Brian Fantana. We'll, uh, we'll, Wait, one of, us needs, we'll, one of us needs to grow a mustache. We need to grow a cheesy we'll, mustache. Well, I already have a, I already have a whole beard, so um, maybe I'll, maybe I'll shave it down for you. <laughs> there was a speaking of which, speaking of, of my facial hair, there was a, uh, there was a discussion, <laughs> um, there was a discussion on the forum a few weeks ago. Jason uh, posted photos of all of us uh, in oh, one God. of the, in one of the episode threads, yes. and. Um, and I want—I don't—I don't remember who commented on it, but he—he he did it as a sort of like guess who's who, um, and uh, and someone out there on the internet on the Duke Basketball Report forum thinks that I, Sam Klein, am a black person, um, and, and that, that I, Donald Wine, <laughs> Donald Wine is, is a white person. Uh, um, spoiler alert: that was <laughs> so. So in case in case you in case you, in case you couldn't get all the hints, um, Donald is the one that knows. Uh, all about hip hop music, and um, and I'm the one who who constantly casually references that I'm Jewish. Uh, so so you people need need to pick up the context clues better. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm the I'm the bearded one. Uh, so oh I God. can be I can be Champ Kind with his sideburns, or I can be um, Brian Fantana. Oh God, uh, the podcast is not starting out well. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, we got our we I'm got our last out. So I mean, we I just want we just want everybody. I, I want all these things cleared up. You know, I, I don't want I don't want people getting the wrong impression of any of us. So, let, but let, let's talk about sports. That's fine. Yeah. So, so at least we got the laughs that way because now we get to start off the show with football, and unfortunately, we have to discuss that awful display that we got this past weekend in that stupid place that people call Chapel Hill. Uh, Duke gang loses in the Victory Bell game, sixty six thirty one, the most points a Duke football team has ever given up to an opponent in a game. Jason, I will start with you. 
Uh, I could we could start with what went wrong, but uh, just pick a couple because I know there was a ton. Yeah, I, I was terrified for a moment there that you were going to say to me, we can start with what went wrong, but talk about what went right. <laughs> because I, I can't come up it with was gonna be, really. It was going to be silent on my Duke end. Duke had a lot of offense. Duke had a lot of offense. We ultimately scored a lot of points. But yeah, yeah late when it, did, when it didn't matter. I mean, when the game was over. Here's, here's my thing about the UNC game. I hate, I hate, I hate being right. And I, folks who tuned into the last podcast heard me say that I was really worried about the Carolina passing game and that Carolina had a penchant for going over the top and getting big yardage on their pass plays. And I talked about how they had all these guys who averaged more than 15, 20, 25 yards per per catch. And that I was afraid. I said that, you know, the thing that might happen that could be really bad is they could go crazy on us going deep. I hate being right. That is exactly what happened. Um, uh, Marquise William was ridiculous ridiculously good in this game. I mean, from the opening play, we all saw the opening play where they ran a flea flicker and they got 80 yards. I mean, oh my God. At one point, early in the first quarter, they had three pass plays of more than 35 yards. It was crazy. So Marquise Williams left the game with seven minutes left in the third quarter because the game was over at that point. He had just under 500 yards passing. I want to tell you guys, the all-time record in college football for passing yardage is 716 yards, and it's held by David Klingler of Houston. I'm going back to 1990 here. David Klingler of Houston set the record, 716 yards. It is considered one of the great unbreakable records in all of college sports. If Marquise Williams had played four quarters against Duke, if Carolina had decided to keep their foot on our neck and not let up the throttle, Marquise Williams would have gone for more than 700 yards. It was it was un. It was unbelievable. They did whatever they wanted to on offense. They treated us like they treated us like we were little kids, and um, uh, it was it was it was horrible. And, and I'll just one final story, and then I'll toss it to you guys. Um, so uh, I, I have an email group that I'm in with a bunch of other Duke fans, and we talk about different things, usually basketball, sometimes football. Um, us were sending emails about how horrible the game was going, and one of the guys in the group said um, that he was out shopping for furniture with his wife, but he DVR'd the game. And so he said, I'm guessing from all what you guys are saying that I can just go ahead and delete the game from my DVR when I get home. And someone responded to him and said, don't delete it. Burn your DVR, <laughs> which That's I thought, right. yeah, yeah, which I thought was about the, the Duke sentiment for this game. Um, I similarly hope that Coach Cutcliffe burned the tape of that game and just said, guys, next play, because there's very little that can be gleaned from this. Um, hey, hey, Sam, uh, I say very little can be gleaned. Do you have anything you want to glean? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, this game was obviously a a big letdown for Duke. Um, As much as they talked last week about how they were going to get over that Miami game really quickly, I don't think they ever really did. Um, Or maybe it took a few days and it it distracted them from their preparation early in the week. But uh, as good as as many good things as Thomas Sirk said and David Cutcliffe said and the rest of the team said about, you know, putting putting that that really – disappointing loss behind them uh, two weeks ago, I don't think they fully recovered, and I think that it affected them at least early on in this UNT game, and it was there was so much that happened early in the game that it felt like it slipped away from them quickly. I mean, by, by halftime, the game felt totally lost. Uh, the, the Blue Devils made a number of mistakes on both sides of the ball. The defense obviously gave up that big play right at the first, uh, right at the first play um, from scrimmage for the UNC offense, and it 
you know, it was especially disheartening given how well the defense has played this year to see them to see them give up so much against the UNC offense that obviously is very good. Uh, but it's you know, the, the defense has been so good this year that I think we figured that it would at least be a good battle on that side of the ball. Um, everything that you that you could have been reading about this game leading up to it was talking about how fun it was going to be to watch Marquise Williams and and all of his great receivers against against that that Duke defensive front that's been so solid led by Jeremy Cash this year and they were they were totally uh, totally manhandled. So uh, it's two years in a row now that this has happened to Duke. I'm not sure you know what the what the winning formula is against UNC. It might just be that. Marquise Williams in football is like Ty Lawson in basketball, and we're we're just not going to beat that guy uh, until he until he graduates or or whatever it is that happens when you run out of eligibility at UNC. Um, so I, I think that you know on the flip side of that, there obviously the last two weeks have been very disappointing for Duke. Um, one in a totally heartbreaking way, the, the Miami game, and then one in 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 an enormous letdown kind of way. Um, coming out flat against UNC, but Duke still got three winnable games, obviously a, a tough pit team coming up this week, but then two slightly easier games against Virginia and, and Wake Forest. Uh, Duke still has an opportunity to win nine games and, and potentially ten with a bowl game, uh, which could, which will still be one of the best seasons in, in school history despite um, these losses the last two weeks. It is obviously a bummer that now the Coastal Division is basically UNC's uh, and that that race is, is pretty much over. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure that the players are disappointed by this. Uh, but, again, how long has it been um, since Duke went to three three bowl games in a row, uh, let alone four? And, and they're going to go to a fourth bowl game this year. The guys who have been on the team for the last four years are going to graduate having not missed a bowl game uh, in their playing time. So that's that's pretty remarkable. I think there's a lot, of, a lot of incredible things you can say about the program. And you know what? These kinds of games are going to continue to happen from time to time because it's not like – not like Duke is pulling in, you know, the most incredible football players, and they're not going to be able to match up with everybody. So it's a bummer, um, but I trust that Coach Cutcliffe is going to get the team's attention that they're going to be back on track this week against Pitt. Yeah, and I, I guess to to bring it full circle and in, in, in a positive, uh, I think if you can take something positively from our performance uh, on last Saturday, it was the running game. Um, the running game. 327 yards on 44 carries. That's a 7.4 average, which is very good for rushing. Um, you had uh, Duncan, Powell, and Cirque, who all uh, really, really ran the ball very well. Uh, and, and that's without that was, Sean Wilson. And that's, that's without Sean Wilson, who was out yep. uh, with injury. So I, I think that's a yeah, – we, if you have a bright totally, spot, that's If it. we'd had Sean Wilson, we would totally would have won this game. <laughs> we would have – was he going to be playing? Was he going to be playing deep safety on that first play from scrimmage? <laughs> God, Some, oh. somebody was. Somebody oh. should have been. Uh, but yeah, let's. I, I, I'm done talking about UNC. Let's 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 move on. Uh, we're going to have to pick ourselves back up, dust ourselves off. We got another tough tough matchup this weekend against Pitt. Uh, it's our final home game of the season. It's Senior Day uh, for a great group of seniors who you know like. Sam said, uh, we'll have left the program having been to four consecutive bowl games, which I don't think has ever happened before. Uh, I will start with you, Sam. Uh, what are some of the things that we should be looking to do uh, to get back in the win column this weekend? Well, Duke Pittsburgh has produced some fun games the last few years. Obviously, people remember last year the overtime game uh, uh, in Heinz Field that, that was so exciting and, that, the, uh, and that, the, that Pittsburgh had all but one and then gave away at the end. 
Uh, I believe that Thomas Cirk was the was the hero of that game uh, in overtime. Uh, if, if you correct me if I'm wrong, that's what I'm remembering. Uh, but Pittsburgh's been very solid this year, despite losing their best player, James Conner, their 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 star running back. Uh, as we remember early in the season, he he injured his knees out for the season. Coach Cutcliffe sent him a nice note. I think we talked about it here on the podcast. We did. Um, but in spite mm-hmm. of that, but in spite of that, um, Pitt's been really good. They've only lost three games, and they've lost the worst team that they've lost to arguably is, is that UNC team that we know is very good. They they lost early in the season to Iowa, who is still undefeated in the terrible Big Ten West. So maybe Iowa's worse than UNC. We don't really know. And then they lost last week to Notre Dame, who's right on the on the cusp of the of the college playoff top four and, and absolutely could make that playoff. They actually so, just um, they actually are in the top four as of the rankings which were released a couple hours ago. Oh okay. Oh I missed that. All right. So Notre Dame is currently in the college football playoffs. So losing yeah. to them is totally fine. Right. Um, so it's not like Pitt has a bad loss this year. Uh you know they haven't they haven't lost to a team as bad as Miami and um but but in in a number of ways, you know, they're very similar to Duke. I think that Pitt probably came into this season with similar expectations about winning the Coastal Division and, and having and having solid play on both sides of the ball. Um, their offense is 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 very good. Um, Tyler Boyd is their is their star wide receiver, who I am scared about what Duke, how Duke is going to cover him. Um, we uh, the the cornerback play this season has not been as good, and Tyler Boyd is the focus of the Pittsburgh offense. So it's going to be interesting to see if they, how they try to bottle him up. If they if they try to go double. Uh, if they try to double team him um, and maybe leave more room for running, because um, this pit offense is is traditionally more more of a run offense. Um, their uh, their lead running back is Kadri Allison gets the bulk of their carries. Um, you know, since James Conner's not out there, but they have a lot of guys who can run the ball. Uh, they actually recently moved one of their freshman safeties, Jordan Whitehead, to running back, and he scored a couple touchdowns for them uh, last week against Notre Dame. So. Um, the Pittsburgh offense is, is, is pretty fun. They uh, they can move the ball in a lot of different ways. They they hung with UNC, um, so and that was that was also a uh, a game at Heinz Field. So um, we know that they're we know that they're tough. We know that they can hang with good teams. And uh, I'm I'm nervous for this game certainly, um, but it's been a while since Duke lost three regular season games in a row, which is incredible to think. Um, but but it has so. Um, Coach Cutcliffe is gonna gonna get the guys back on track, hopefully, and uh, and and hope to contain a a really good Pittsburgh offense. They're not quite as good as UNC's again, but uh, but they're still pretty solid. And then on the other side of the ball, um, they have given up they have given up a lot of points this year. I expect the, the Duke offense to try to get a little bit more creative. I think that you know that it's been coming along in baby steps. I think last week was not so good, um, but we've certainly seen a progression for them, especially from the quarterback Thomas Sir. And uh, I, I think so that we should look to the, for that um, progress to continue this week against Pittsburgh. Um, as Donald mentioned, it's also senior day. Uh, so if you are around Durham, if you're in North Carolina, if you're in the Triangle area, um, Saturday is going to be a great day at Duke. You can go to the football game in the afternoon. You can go to the basketball game in the evening. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. So go and and watch Duke sports all day. Uh, I know that I know that there are there are tickets available for those for those uh, early season basketball games against crappy opponents. So you can certainly get into both. Uh, so I encourage everyone who's around to attend. Um, I don't know, Jason, do you want to add anything to the, uh, to the Pittsburgh game? Thanks, Sam. You, you touched on most of the stuff that matters about Pittsburgh. There are a couple little things that I want to point out that I think are sort of fun and interesting. One is you mentioned Jordan Whitehead, who, uh, who is a running back. 
um, for Pitt last week and, and sort of made a name for himself um, running the ball against Notre Dame, scored a couple touchdowns. They actually even passed him the ball a little bit. He would have scored a, a passing touchdown, but a Notre Dame player made a really great play perception on him. Jordan Whitehead is an incredible story. This is, this is a kid who's a freshman. So it's not like he's a, you know, redshirt junior or a senior or something like that. He's just a freshman. He very highly touted recruit and he came to Pitt as a safety and he still plays safety for them. In fact, he leads the team in tackles. He's really their best guy in the defensive backfield. Um, leads the team in tackles. He also returns punts for them. He's involved in their special teams. And last week they decided to also play him on offense. Folks, we don't get to see someone play both ways in college football at this level very much anymore. You know, it still happens a little bit maybe at the D3 level or small D1, you know, one double A kind of stuff. You'll have a really great athlete. They'll go, oh, we'll play him both ways. This is a kid who's a freshman, again, who's playing safety, leads the team in tackles, has become an integral part of their offense, and is their punt returner. Returner. Uh, Jordan Whitehead is a really interesting story. Be on the lookout for his name. You're sure to hear it called at some point, <laughs> probably multiple times during the game. So that's an interesting little thing, just a little note about Pitt that I think is kind of cool. Um, I'll tell you another interesting thing. So in researching Pitt, um, obviously, Sam, you mentioned um, freshman running back Kadri Allison is their leading rusher. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, <clears throat> believe it or not, there's another player on their team named Kadri. I mean, I don't think of Kadri as a very common name, but there is a freshman wide receiver named Kadri Henderson. So they have two Kadris. I I am confident. And and, and and how do you spell and how do you spell Kadri, Jason? Well, the running back spells it Q A D R E E. He does not put the U after the Q. The wide receiver, he puts a U there. It's Q U A D R E E. So it's different spellings of the Kadris. But I'm telling you, man, there's no way there's anyone else in the country that has two Kadris on their team. So Pitt leads the nation in Kadris, which you know may impact the game in no way whatsoever. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention about Pitt, as I'm kidding and joking around about them, is uh, this is a team that knows how to play close games and, and knows how to win close games. If you look at Pitt's victories, aside from the first two games early in the season when they, um, uh, when they played teams that, you know, really weren't, you know, weren't really a match for them. Um, they played a lot of very close games, one possession games, not a lot of blowouts, you know, either way for, uh, for Pitt, other than the Notre Dame game where they lost by 12. Um, and, and, and they've done a nice job of winning most of those close games. They beat, Virginia Tech by four, they beat UVA by seven, they beat Georgia Tech by three, they beat Syracuse. These are these are close games, and Pitt, you know, is is doing pretty well in them. And and that's something to look out for because Duke, to be honest, you know, it looks like Pitt and Duke is going to be a very close matchup. We've seen them play some really close, really good games in recent years. And uh, this is not a Pitt team that's going to to panic at all or be upset if, if it's a tight game down the stretch. They clearly know what they're doing in those kind of games because they've been reasonably successful at it. I, I should, of course, add they, they also um, played Iowa in a close game and they lost by three. Um, although that, you know, that's an impressive result. Iowa, Iowa's in the national championship hunt and down to them. We saw how badly UNC whooped up on Duke. Pitt only lost them by seven. Um, this is a pretty good Pitt team. You know, uh, I, I'm. Uh, th- this is our toughest, toughest, you know, game we have left on the schedule right now. And you'd really like to see the team reverse uh, something that was just so disappointing against UNC and, and come out and have a good effort against them. Yeah. So I, I think the couple takeaways I have is one, I expect a wild game because the last uh, couple years we've played Pitt have been 
ridiculous games, uh, both on the scoreboard and just the flow of the game back and forth, back and forth. So I think that's, you know, something I'm going to already expect is that I'm going to uh, uh, basically tune in and see, watch the unexpected happen. Uh, but what I'm really looking for is to see our team respond. Uh, I, I think, you know, it's the senior game. It's the last game at Wally Wade. Uh, and and it will be a very different look for Wally Wade when these players next step on the field uh, uh, there next fall. So, you know, I, I know the seniors want to go out with a victory there. I, I believe they're the winningest class uh, by a lot in, in, in Duke football history. And it would it would be really good for them to, to finish out that career um, the way they started it with, with a victory. So uh, uh, in front of the home crowd, so I, I'm looking for that and I'm looking for our team to respond well after uh, the last two weeks. Uh, do you guys have anything else on football or can we switch to basketball? Yeah. Hoop season is here. Let's go to basketball. All right. It's hoop season. Do it. Do it. Uh, do it. But, but before we preview the games this weekend, uh, obviously let's start with the big commitment uh, Friday, Harry Giles, who was considered the number one recruit, in the uh, class of 2016, declared that he uh, loves the rims so much at Cameron Indoor Stadium that he will be dunking on them next year. Uh, Giles was considering Kentucky, uh, Wake Forest, and Kansas, but almost every single expert was as sure as one can be that uh, Harry Giles was Durham-bound. It's unfortunate that he will be sitting out for a while as he suffered a partial ACL tear last week, but by all accounts, he's expected to be 100% by the time he uh, arrives in Durham. Uh, let's start with Sam. Your thoughts on landing the incredible talent, Harry Giles. The, the ball just keeps on rolling for Coach K. Uh, the, you know, I, I, you know, as much as we talk about what a great, what a great thing Coach Cockup has done in the last few years, you can't say enough about how much Coach K has brought the level of basketball up from where it was, uh, which is which is amazing to say because I think that. By the time he was having what people would call his down years, he'd already won three national championships and been to like ten Final Fours or something. Um, and and the recruiting continues to be incredible. I mean, he pulled in pulled in a great class this year, led by Brandon Ingram. And next year, it's going to be led by Harry Giles and Jason Tatum, who are uh, you know by by many accounts two of the three best players in the class. Um, it's obviously a bummer that we found out this week that Giles is is having ACL surgery, um, but he is doing it at Duke, and uh, so he's going to be he's going to be around campus. Um, you know, doing his having his surgery and doing his rehab, um, maybe that means he gets a chance to you know be in the facilities a little bit with some of the guys. I, I'm sure that some of that's against the rules, but yeah, it, it, there's plenty of time for him to recover and be healthy next summer, leading into leading into next season. Um, he gives Duke an enormous presence in the middle. Um, I don't know how he's going to compare to a guy like Jolly Okafor, but he's a he's a prospect that everybody's very excited about. People think that he's going to be a very high draft pick in the NBA, and he's just. He's just another guy in this line of, of incredible talents that Coach K has been pulling in. Um, you can't really say enough about him. And, and people seem to think that he's a, he's a great kid. Um, he's, he's relatively local. He's from down the road in Winston-Salem. So, uh, you know, he, he should have, have good support in Cameron. Uh, I'm not sure how the, how the uh, response will be for him when we travel to Wake Forest, if we do travel to Wake Forest in the year that he's in Durham. Um, but, uh, but he's a pretty exciting recruit. And uh, it's just it, he's another local guy that Coach K has pulled in. So um, so I'm very excited about Harry Giles. I'm very excited about the class that that Coach K is bringing next year. And uh, and things just seem to seem to keep rolling for Duke basketball. Jason, what do you think? Uh, so <clears throat> so I, you mentioned um, Jalil Okafor. I, I don't think Giles is 
that's quite he's not the same kind of player as Jalil Okafor. In sure. fact, yeah, um, yeah, Giles yeah. is more of a power forward. He's more of a power forward, and Okafor was a true back to the basket center with. But he's really but he's uh, end you know, up playing. He's going to playing center in college at least. So um, we have, we have um, to think about it that way. <clears throat> yeah, Correct. I mean, perhaps uh, there's there's a school of thought that um, that Duke may try to. Uh, Duke is still recruiting uh, Marquise Bolden, who who is the number right. one center in the class. Um, and and if they brought him in, or, or if Chase Chase Jeter has looked good so far, if Chase Jeter is really playing well, um, you know, you could play either one of those guys at center and and play Harry Giles. At power forward, which which is his NBA position, he's he's more Jabari. I was going to say he's more Jabari Parker than he is Jaleel Okafor. Not that he's really any of these players. I mean, Harry Giles is Harry Giles, um, and he's a he's tremendously athletic around the rim, um, really explosive. He is going to, you know, Donald said it. This guy is going to bring it. Uh, he's going to dunk a lot, <laughs> which which is really going to be fun. He's a monster on the glass, grabs tons and tons of rebounds. But um, and this is where I think you you. You know, you set him apart a little bit from Okafor um, and where he maybe is a little bit more like a Jabari Parker. Um, he has very good. He's got good handle with the ball. He's got a nice face up jump shot. Um, he's able to shoot three pointers. Now, Duke's not going to take him out there and have him shoot very much, but he does it some um, and he's capable of doing that. Uh, and it just sort of displays the. Um, the, the variety of game that he has um, on the inside. He's also a, a, a good shot blocker. Um, look, I. <clears throat> I think the odds are pretty good that Duke's going to play a lot of four around one with Harry Giles as the one in the middle. Um, but this is a kid who's capable of doing a lot of other different things for Duke. Um, I, I want to add something about Jason Tatum, um, who's Harry Giles' good friend. And, and everyone sort of said that Harry Giles and Jason Tatum were this package deal. And when Jason Tatum rec- uh, uh, committed to Duke uh, a couple months ago. Everyone went, oh, this means Giles is going to come to Duke. And we're sure that Jason Tatum has been leaning on Harry Giles. Um, it is... It's border precedented for the number one and number two guy in a class to say we're best buddies and we're going to the same school together. Um, yes, we saw Jaleel Okafor and Tyus Jones. We've seen other guys who were really, really highly regarded go to school together. And that's what everyone says Harry Giles and Jason Tatum are right now. They're number one and and this is a class that is a really strong class. Um, just doing really at recruiting um, uh, in this class, getting Harry Giles is, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing that you, I, I don't want to make predictions yet about 2016 to 17, but we may look back on the day that Duke got Harry Giles to really set themselves up to probably win the national title. Um, Duke will be unquestionably the uh, the favorite for the national title in the 2015 season based on the recruiting. On what everyone thinks will be a, a strong uh, returning nucleus, uh, and Harry Giles and Jason Tatum are the the center of that, um, and it's going to be a joy to watch them play together at Duke. Um, uh, you know, a special couple guys, um, and uh, it's going to be it's just going to be it's great to be Duke right now. That that that's bottom line in basketball. It is great to be Duke right now. It certainly is. And, it, you know, I'm just taking a look at this class that we have assembled so far. We have Harry Giles at number one. Uh, these are according to the ESPN uh, Top 100. You got Giles, number one, Tatum, number two, Frank Jackson at 14, and uh, Javon Delorier at 44. 
Uh, there's your number one recruiting class in the world, ladies and gentlemen. And probably, as, as Jason said, hinted, uh, your number one uh, Duke Blue Devils in the preseason uh, for 2016, 2017. I think it's going to be good that uh, he gets to really rehab it and hopefully use uh, uh, Durham to his advantage in that regard uh, with, the, uh, with the injury. Um, but the fact that he's going to be 100% by the time he comes next year, he is... Uh, one of those talents that, you know, I, I don't really – I'm one of those people that don't really look at recruiting until we're in the final stretch. Uh, but he's a kid that's been on my radar for quite a while, um, and, and that's not uh, that's not taken lightly. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing him in Duke Blue next year and uh, just another another great get for Coach K and our staff. I, I don't know how they keep doing it, um, but I, I really do like it. So uh, let's keep doing more of it. Uh, anything else and we can before we can uh, – start about real basketball yeah let's let's start talking about the games that are about to be played okay well guys guess what it is now time for the real thing uh duke basketball officially begins its title defense this weekend well we got two games in two days as part of the 2015 2k classic friday we take on the sienna saints and saturday we face the bryant bulldogs apparently uh we picked two teams that have alliteration um with their uh, mascots but that's cool too uh we enter the season ranked fifth in the AP poll and fourth in the USA Today coaches poll. Uh, let's start with you, Jason. Take us through and talk about what you think we will see uh, in the Siena game. Yeah, so um, the Siena Saints, uh, they're, they're a, a middle-of-the-pack team from the Metro Atlantic um, Conference. Uh, you know, they're projected anywhere from like third to sixth or seventh in that conference. A team like that um, is probably not going to be a great threat to Duke this year. They, they went 11 and 20 last year. Um, and, and uh, you know, I mean, to be very, very honest, they're, they're just, they're very few guys on Siena who, who can really compete, um, uh, you know, in a sustained way against the kind of talent that Duke has. But I want to highlight just a couple guys. So, you know, some names to pay attention to and listen for um, in this game. <clears throat> um, Siena does have, some some fairly good guys on the inside and and a lot of people think early in the season especially Duke's strength may be on the inside because we've got so much experience there in in Jefferson and and MP3 um and Siena's going to counter that with a pair of 68 forwards uh Brett Bisping and Emo Silas um good rebounders Silas is a really good shot blocker uh, and so those guys are are, are going to give us you know, uh, they're, they're going to battle on the inside. And I want to tell you a crazy story about a third forward on Siena. This is this is just a wild off-season story. The guy's name is uh, Javion Ogunyemi or something like that. I, I can't pronounce his last name. It's Ogunyemi or Ogunyemi or something like that. Anyway, Javion um, is his first name. Uh, he's a junior. He's a forward. He was a, you know, fairly decent player for Siena last year, averaged almost 10 points a game. He decided to transfer to Boston university back in the spring, back in April. He said, I'm going to be you. See you later, Siena. I'm done with you. <clears throat> then, then in August, before he'd ever set foot on the BU campus, well, at least, you know, before he'd officially registered to take any classes or anything like that. Um, he announced that he wanted to go to transfer again. And what he said was he wanted to go back to Siena. Um, he he never played a game for BU. He never suited up for them. So Sienna petitioned the NCAA. They said, hey, this guy who was on our roster last year who left, he's back. 
can he play right away? And the NCAA took a little while. And just a few days ago, they announced that, yeah, they're going to let him play right away. I, I just think that's kind of a weird sort of strange story. This guy decided to leave the program, then decided to come back to the program. And of course, because the NCAA is full of all kinds of crazy arcane rules, they had to petition to allow him to play right away. But he's going to play right away. The last thing I want to bring up about Siena um, you're probably bored with me talking about them already, especially because I dissed them at the beginning and said they had very little chance in this game. But uh, they are coached by someone who is no, very familiar. Hang on, Jason, Jason. Jason. Yes. We love when you talk about. We love when you talk about basketball. So just, just do it. <laughs> just do it, baby. Well, so I was going to bring up. Duke fans are going to recognize the guy on the sideline for Siena wearing the suit. That's Jimmy Patsos who was a long, long, long time assistant coach at Maryland. He was there for more than a decade, worked with Gary Williams extensively. Um, so uh, Jimmy Patsos um, has been at Siena now for a couple years. Um, I'm sure he's going to sweat just like Gary Williams did, and he'll probably throw his coat and stuff like that just like Gary Williams did. It'll be you know fun and familiar to have him back in Cameron. Uh, he was he was Gary Williams, you know, most trusted assistant for a lot of that time. So um, he certainly knows Duke really, really well. Um, and it'll be, you know, it'll be nice and interesting to to have uh, Jimmy Patsos as someone we can we can pick on once again, because while he was at Maryland, we for the most part picked on him, um, picked on Maryland. Uh, and now he's at Siena, which is not quite the same kind of competitor. But so that's my preview of Siena. Um, uh, Sam, you want to talk a little bit about Bryant? Sure. Um, so the. The Bryant Bulldogs are our opponent on Saturday. As I mentioned, Saturday is a big day at Duke because you can go to the football game in the afternoon. You can go to the basketball game at night. Uh, I think Donald posted something in the forum about, about tickets to the Bryant game, but he can he can probably talk more about that in a little bit. Um, but the, uh, the Bryant Bulldogs, they play in the Northeast Conference. Uh, they actually had a pretty good year last year. They went 12-6 and six in conference uh, and 16-15 and 15 overall, which tells you how strong the Northeast Conference is. Um, they, uh, they lose their top scorer, uh, a guy by the name of Diami Park, uh, Starks. Uh, he was a huge part of their offense last year. So I, just judging by the, by the stats and what they lost, uh, seems like a guy who's, who's going to be felt, um, you know, in a lot of ways. He scored 18 points a game last year, and now he's not there. So their leading returning scorer scored just 10 points a game last year. That's Dan Garvin, uh, who's also their, their presence inside at a stout 6'6". Six six. Uh, so Duke should... Um, present a pretty tough challenge to Bryant as far as size goes, uh, because their their leading rebounder is going to be going up against you know some combination of of Emil Jefferson and Marshall Plumlee and, and probably Chase Jeter. Um, so, but just just like Sienna, I, I don't know that Bryant has much of a chance against Duke. Um, it, it, I think that the most interesting thing about this weekend is that we finally get to see the teams playing um, other uh, you know uh, other Division One programs. Um, Bryant's preseason Ken Palm ranking, which is mostly meaningless, even Ken Palm admits that, that it's not super useful, is 240. So uh, that's that's going to be one of the worst teams I, I imagine that we're going to play this year. I haven't, I haven't run the uh, the rest of the non-conference schedule, um, and I'm not sure exactly how bad like Wake Forest or Boston College or anybody's going to be. Um, but uh, but yeah, they won't so, be 240 so, bad. Let uh, me tell you something: they will not be number no, 240 they, they, bad. <laughs> probably right. not. Probably not. Um, their head coach is, a, is, a, is an older guy by the name of Tim O'Shea, who's been there for a few years. They've had some success. Um, they've, they've had success in postseason tournaments, namely the CDI. Uh, he's a guy who's been who's, who's played and coached at a lot of different schools in the Northeast. Um, he's been at Boston College, uh, which is where he went to college in Yale and Rhode Island. Um, and uh, Brian has actually been a remarkably uh, stable program for most of my life. They've only had three coaches since 1990. Uh, so this is a program that I think it probably has a little bit of pride 
um, they, you know, if they're hanging on to coaches for eight years at a time, it means that they're probably not having extended losing streaks. So um, look for them. I imagine to be to be proud and competitive, but ultimately Duke should win uh, if if their leading rebounder is a guy who's six six and uh, he's not Pat Connaughton, uh, which I imagine that um, Dan Garvin is not Pat Connaughton um, from uh, from Notre Dame, what you guys will remember. Um, then uh, Duke should win this game pretty handily. But uh, again, another another fun team to watch. Um, I'm so excited for basketball season to start. Um, so that's my that's my quick preview of Brian. I think as we as we get along in the season, we'll we'll get back to doing the previews in the way that we were doing them last year, where I at least watch a little bit of game film and tell you a little bit more about the guys. Um, but but I don't think that there's much to tell you about about these teams in the opening weekend. I should add really quickly. Um, I don't think Duke had any control over scheduling these teams. There are certain teams that were invited yeah. to the tournament, and and they were sort of assigned. To these, these games against Duke, and, and and also, not that it's going to happen, but even in the crazy, crazy universe where Duke loses one of these games, they will still Duke will still advance. Like the the way these tournaments are structured nowadays, they they basically the tournament decides which teams are going to go to the championship round, and right. then they have these early round games just for show and just to add games to the schedule. So, um, although my bet is in the end, Duke's uh, you know, strength of schedule will be hurt. It, it's not a good thing for us to be playing the, these teams because they're they're really so far out of our league. Yeah, go ahead, Donald. I, I, mean, meant to, yeah. I, uh, I was going to say I meant to add before I throw it back to Donald one more thing about Bryant. Um, they they don't make a ton of news, but they did make a, a little bit of news about a month ago. Uh, one of the, I don't want to get too political, but I'll just bring it up because it it, it was a, a topic that came across the feed for a little bit. Was that um, their assistant coach Chris Burns? Um, uh, announced that he was gay about a month ago, and um, it, it was a it was a story that obviously did make headlines today um, when prominent people uh, come out of the closet. And uh, so th- this is one of their assistant coaches, Coach K, had nice things to say about him and about their program. Uh, if you guys will recall, um, so that's just another storyline that'll probably come up during the game, uh, I would imagine, on Saturday. Yeah, that's a good point. I was going to bring that up as well. Um, the fact that. Uh, 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 the coach said that Coach K was one of the first people to call him and basically welcome him uh, to the, you know, to the community and, and just kind of uh, show some support for him and, and, and such a bold move. But, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, one of the things I like to see with these games, I mean, they're, they're, they're not good opponents. They're teams that we should easily beat. But it is kind of set up in a Final Four or a tournament type uh, of, of setup where we have two games in two days. Uh, and that's to get our guys acclimated to playing it, you know, on short notice. I mean, the first game uh, is, you know, what, at 7 o'clock on Friday, and then we play again at 8 o'clock the following night. So less than 24 hours rest uh, before we are back at it again. So I think that's where you, you get to see, you know, where you can see where the team is made up at this point of the season. It's not a lot to take from the actual games except of, you know, probably working out the kinks before we go uh, play Kentucky and Chicago. But I think the the best part for me is the fact that you do have the season opens with a bang with two games in less than 24 hours. And if you if you don't like basketball, then you, you probably should turn off your TV this weekend because there is going to be a ton of it. Uh, and we are at the main focus of it. So I, I think that's the main takeaway. And. One thing I did want to mention, uh, I know Sam had briefly brought it up. Um, if you look on the, on the forums, uh, I had posted something about uh, the Wonderglow Foundation, which is a, a, an, 
a foundation that's near and dear to my heart. I'm one of the advisory board members, and they are actually having a chalk talk uh, in Sharf Hall on Saturday night where uh, for 60 bucks you get hors d'oeuvres, drinks, and you actually get a ticket to the Bryant game. Um, that ticket is in the student section, um, in the standing section of, uh, of Cameron. So uh, I, I, that's probably a good deal if you're interested. Uh, there's more information on the forums, and I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, but it's, it's a good cause, and also you get a ticket to a basketball game, um, which is very rare. So um, uh, let's do that. Anything else before we uh, move on? Uh, I think that these games represent an excellent, excellent opportunity for the families of Nick Pagliuca and Brennan Bresser to get to see their kids play some, some Duke basketball. Yes, sir. Yes, I like that. I hope they play like a combined 10 minutes in both games. That yeah, they should, each, they should each get to get a couple shots off and get to score some buckets. That'd be really nice for them. Exactly. And, hey, with the new season, um, let's a little bit of shift. And with the new season, there comes – uh, every year there's, you know, rule changes, but I feel like this year we have some very major rule changes that are really going to affect, uh, the flow of the basketball game, um, in college basketball, as well as what you're actually seeing on TV and hopefully, uh, cutting down on the length of games. Um, and Jason, uh, I think you had, uh, gone over those rule changes. So why don't we uh, kick it over to you? Yeah. So I just wanted to comment on a few of these. I'm not going to go over every rule change because, um, I think it'd be boring. But a few of these are, are really pretty significant. The most important one that everyone's going to notice right away is that the shot clock has been reduced from 35 seconds to 30 seconds. Um, and, and yeah, it's easy to say, oh, but, you know, in the NBA, they have a 24-second shot clock. But you know what? In the NBA, they play very, very little zone. And just the flow of the game with better athletes, um, more guys who can shoot and space the floor and the such, you know, it allows for a 24-second shot clock. Um, I think I think college basketball may suffer a little bit from a 30-second shot clock. Um, I, I, I like that. I think it will reward defense. It only requires you to play defense for 30 seconds as opposed to playing it for, for 35, which is a, a good thing, I guess. You can expend a little more effort. But I think you're going to see teams um, probably taking more bad shots. I think you will see shooting percentages drop a little bit as a result of this. Um, uh, it, it's going to impact the game. Um, and, and uh, you know, if nothing else <clears> – <throat> If nothing else, it impacts sort of your end-of-game strategy as you're thinking about, okay, how long do we hold the ball here? Can we hold it for, you know, how much of the clock can we burn and stuff like that? Um, uh, the, the, the extra five seconds that you used to have would make a difference. Um, so, uh, so that's a, a really big rule change, the shot clock reduction from 35 to 30. Um, a couple other rules that aren't quite as big, but I think you'll, you'll still notice. Um, the restricted area underneath the basket which is where you you know a guy can't camp out there and take a charge. Some people call this the Battier rule because Shane Battier was amazing at getting under there and preventing guys from taking you know layups, drives to the basket um, by by getting in their way. Well, the restricted area has been expanded from three feet to four feet. Um, doesn't sound like that much, but it's going to make it harder to draw charges. It's going to mean it's going to be you have to be further and further away from the basket to draw that charge. If a guy gets closer to the basket, he's going to have more ability to get to the rim. Um, I, that that's going to make a difference. Um, um, the other defensive change is there'll be no more five-second calls if a guy's dribbling. I, I hate this change. Uh, I think this is a terrible rule change. I love the fact that they 
you, that if you were closely guarding a guy while he was dribbling the ball, um, he couldn't just dribble, 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 and and you know dribble forever. Um, Duke used to routinely get turnovers from guys who'd be dribbling the ball. We'd be close and guarding them, and after five seconds, the ref would blow his whistle, and you'd go, "Yeah, you know that that's our ball." Not anymore. That 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 call is gone from basketball. Um, uh, other than guys who hold on to it for five seconds while not dribbling, but that that basically never happens. Um, and then the last one is. Um, the defensive player will be allowed to use their arm and put an arm bar in the back of an offensive player when the offensive player has the ball, you know, to sort of keep the offensive player from pushing on him too much, um, which I think will be an interesting thing to, to see develop. Um, you know, we're going to have to see how much guys use that that forearm in the back of the offensive player as a way of, of um, you know, gauging where someone's going and perhaps holding them a little bit. That could be real interesting. And I'm not sure how the refs are going to call that because that could be a very difficult thing for refs to figure out the difference between, um, you know, trying to protect your, your space and preventing a guy from going to another space. So uh, all these changes, I think, are, are, are very interesting. Most of them involve defense. Um, which I think is, you know, uh, uh, it's interesting to see the way the rules are, are impacting uh, defensive play. Duke has, uh, whenever Duke succeeds in the NCAA tournament, whenever Duke has a really great season, it's because we start playing good defense. Um, and and these these rules could, you know, some of them could make it easier, but mostly I think they're they may make it a little bit harder for Duke um, playing defense. Uh, uh, so we'll we'll see how it all it all turns out. Um, you guys got anything you want to mention that- about those? I, I think that the one, the one in particular you mentioned that stood out to me, which I, which you seemed like you were highlighting, um, was that defensive five second call uh, on with the result used to result in the turnover and now won't. In my mind, I see Quinn Cook like forcing one of those like once every game last year. So yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that it's I think that it's a big part of uh, or it was a big part of Duke's defensive scheme was to was to trap guys in corners and to and to force those turnovers. Uh, not even let the ball, you know, enter the uh, enter the three point line and 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 get moved around a little bit. So I think well, that, I, that's going to. Go I was going to say, I'll, I'll tell you, even even if it wasn't forcing a turnover, because teams, because players knew, if I dribble for too long and I'm closely guarded, I'm going to have to, I'm going to get a turnover. You know, it would cause a little bit of panic. It would cause them to perhaps have to get rid of the ball quicker than they wanted to. They couldn't necessarily get into the offense the way they want to. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot. You're, you're going to be able to now, if you're a player, to sort of back someone down. And and there's nothing they can do about it. You can just, you know, dribble and back someone down into the paint, essentially, if you want. Um, you know what the, you know what the inevitable you know what the inevitable result of this is is that is that Duke is going to sag on defense more, which means they're going to be able to take more charges from from aggressive, you know, uh, opposing offensive players, and then everyone's going to yell that Duke just gets called for too many. Uh, they, Duke earns too many charges. So Duke, Duke uh, gets all the calls except in football. It's, it's, it's football. an inevitable cycle. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm glad that you that you brought all those rule changes up. It seems like every year now there are there are so many of them that change that we always have to be reminded of it. Um, and that and that for the first few weeks of the season, I think we'll hear a lot about about especially those those defensive strategy um, changes that are that are going on. Yeah, the arm bar. To me, the arm bar. I don't know how the refs are going to call the arm bar. It's going to well, be really I, interesting yeah. to see that. I, I mean, growing up when yeah. I when when I was playing basketball, growing up, we were taught to do the armbar, but it was it wasn't extended. And I think what this changes, it allows you to extend the armbar uh, out. If you basically they had you know kind of a little 
a, a halo around you where if you had your arm bar up, that was your personal space. And as long as you didn't extend the arm, you were okay. But now this year, it seems like that they'll be able to extend that arm and kind of take uh, – and you would kind of use that to kind of take the dribbler out of their rhythm or to kind of force them to uh, a spot where they don't want to be on the floor uh, and just take that extra you know, second or so off of the clock, which with a 30-second shot clock is going to mean a lot more this year. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how teams take advantage of that on defense. And But I think the, the one thing that I uh, – the rules change that I really – was actually excited to see is the 30-second shot clock. I'm one of those people that thinks that uh, a lot of these teams want more possessions, and, and they are willing to sacrifice offensive efficiency for more, for more possessions. And, uh, you know, we talked about uh, uh, when we talked with uh, Coach Collins uh, a few weeks ago on the podcast, he mentioned that he was kind of excited to get – uh, an up-tempo game going with the 30-second shot clock coming in. So uh, it sounds like some of these play, some of these teams are actually ready for this and, and want to see this happen. Um, it's it's not quite the NBA, but it's not quite the uh, the stall ball that we we have seen in years past. And it's, I think it's going to be uh, one of those things where teams are going to have to really uh, be cognizant of the of the shot clock especially in late game situations and i think you're going to see the smarter teams doing a lot better this year when it comes to handling the ball especially down the stretch you know who's going to be impacted by this reduction more than any other team in college basketball take a guess virginia yes Um, and they're going to be impacted on both sides of the ball it's going to be really interesting because virginia with that pack line defense um uh, does a great job of not giving you a good shot. And the fact that they're going to only have to play it for 30 seconds as opposed to 35 seconds is going to have an impact on your offense when you're playing Virginia. It's going to be harder to get a good shot because the way you had to get a good shot against them in the past was you really had to work the ball around. You had to find you know just the right cutter and just the right cir- circumstance to get a decent shot off, and you've got five less seconds to do it now. But mm-hmm. the place that's really going to make a difference is Virginia loved to just hold on to the ball forever. Right. Um, uh, they, they they wanted as few possessions in the game as possible. Um, they were not a very good, efficient, you know, offensive team. They're great on defense, um, but uh, you know, to me, you know, the fact that they won't be able to hold on to the to the ball for 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35 seconds um, is going to have an impact on their offense. And having more possessions is probably something that that could be a negative for them. Um, uh, so I think, you know, there, there's no one who's going to be impacted by this quite as much as Virginia. Um, and, and Virginia, as everybody knows, is, is you know, preseason top five, top ten team considered one of the major contenders for ACC and national title this year. Yeah. That, uh, Jason, that's a, great, that's a great point about Virginia, and I'm glad that I picked it up a half second before you, before you gave us the answer. Um, but <laughs> but I, I think this is going to affect every team this year. Uh, you know, it, Teams like Virginia and UNC bring back a lot of guys from last year, and so those guys are used to playing college basketball a certain way. I think that just perhaps Duke adjusts quicker because they don't bring back nearly as much of the production as, as some of those other top teams. So Coach K can kind of start from scratch in a way that he tended to do the last couple of years with each of his teams because um, so many guys have been going pro. You know, maybe that maybe that gives Duke more of an advantage because the rules are are constantly changing and teams are having to do a lot more adjustment early in the season. I'm I'm maybe grasping for for positives here. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting to see how how all these rule changes kind of uh, affect this affect the landscape of college basketball, and I think we'll see a lot of them 
uh, pretty quickly with some with so many games happening this weekend uh, and the next week. I think it'll be interesting to see how that works. Uh, I think we're at final th- final thoughts time. Uh, Sam, do you have any final thoughts? I actually wanted um, to do as a final thought. I'm going to include both of you. Um, I'm gonna, I haven't exactly figured out what the prize is going to be, but between the three of us, I want to make some uh, season predictions, and we'll see if, if somebody gets the most of them right or the most of them closest. They'll, they'll win some kind of prize. But we'll, we'll, we'll come up with some bet between the three of us because we haven't talked about this yet. Um, but does that sound like something we can do with you guys? Yes? Yes? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, but, um, uh, all right. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up with a list. None of them are going to come true between now and next week. Uh, so between now and next week, I think maybe I'll throw this in the forum. Um, if, if people on the forum want to suggest uh, what the bet should be between the three of us on um, on some of these season predictions, and we'll uh, we'll come up with a, a final uh, decision next week. So you know, someone will have to do something silly, or, or, or I don't know what it'll be. Um, but uh, so let me. Uh, so I'll. I'll I'll just come up with a few of these here, and we'll say that the person who gets the, the most number of them right uh, is going to be the winner. But uh, So we'll start with who is going to be the leading scorer for Duke this season, uh, and I'll start with Jason. Uh, Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen and Donald? Ingram. Okay. So leading scorer, uh, Donald picks Ingram, and um, Jason picks Allen, and I'm also going to pick Allen. Uh, okay, leading rebounder. Jeter. Jason, go. Donald picks Jeter. Jason? Jefferson. Jason picks Jefferson, and I also am picking Jefferson. Um, so that's interesting. Okay, uh, leading assist. Kennard. Ooh, Donald, interesting. All right, Luke, Donald goes with Luke. Jason? I'm going to go crazy on this one i'm gonna go matt jones okay all right and i'm and i'm uh i'm gonna take thornton um because uh, i don't know what's wrong with you guys uh, <laughs> 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 um uh blocks total blocks total blocks mp3 yeah, total block jason takes mp3 okay donald yeah i'm gonna go with plumley as well uh i'm gonna go with jefferson uh, I think that I think he's going to do that Ryan Kelly thing where he gets all the all the weak side blocks um, and and secretly leads the team in blocks even though he's not the the biggest uh, or or has the most hops. Uh, and let's see what my oh steals. let's do uh, steals. Um, Jason, or you guys want to go for steals? Who, who's going to get the most steals? I'm I'm going Ingram. Yeah, I'm going to go Ingram. As well. uh, okay. Jason, I think we're all picking Ingram. Um, but since both of you did it. I am going to go with Grayson Allen. Um, how does that sound? Sound good? All right. Uh, hey, wait, wait. I got, yeah, I got a couple. There are two other good ones we should do. A couple other good ones we should do. Uh, here's one. Go for it. Most minutes played. Ooh, minutes? All right. I like that. Um, hit it. Go for it. I'm going Allen. Mm. That's Allen. That's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm going to go Ingram. Donald. I'm going to go Ingram. Ingram. I'm also going to say Ingram. Um, I think he's too That's personal. not going to be, it's uh, going to be okay. close. All right. We've got, we've got six categories now. Um, points, rebounds, assists, blocks, steals, and minutes. Um, and I'm going to go with a tiebreaker. Uh, 
who guessed the total number of wins for Duke this season? Donald. 35. 35. Jason? <sighs> 34. All right, Jason goes 34, and I am going to say uh, 32. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of challenges this year. Uh, okay, let me run these back down so that we know that everybody picks things that they want. Um, so uh, leading scorer, Donald – I'll go through each of everybody's picks. So uh, for leading scorer, Donald Ed Ingram, he picked uh, Chase Jeter as the leading rebounder. He picked Luke Kennard as the assist. Uh, he picked Marshall Plumley for blocks. He picked Ingram for steals. He picked Ingram also for minutes, and Donald went with 35 wins. Uh, Jason picks Grayson Allen as his leading scorer. Uh, he picks Emil Jefferson as his leading rebounder. He picks Matt Jones for some reason as his leading assist man. Yeah, I need, cha- I need to change. Um, I need to change that. Hold on, I need to change that. I'm about to lock the man. He heard my lineup and he's scared. Oh man. Um, you know what? Let me go. Oh God! Let me go. Grayson Allen for leading assist. Okay, uh, that's Jason a terrible pick. Also, Allen. I should just take Thornton. I should just take Thornton, shouldn't I? Oh, screw it. I, I got Allen. Do whatever you want. <laughs> Fine. Right, you got Allen. Uh, Allen. Allen for assist. Uh, I've got him for Plumley on blocks, Ingram on steals, and Grayson Allen on minutes. Um, so maybe that's a good pick. Is minutes and maybe minutes and assists will go together. Jason really thinks that Crazy Now is going to lead this team. Uh, and he's got 34 <laughs> yep. wins. 34 wins. And then uh, I've got Grayson Allen as the leading scorer, uh, Emil Jefferson as the leading rebounder. I've got Thornton on assists, um, Jefferson on blocks, Allen on steals, and Ingram on minutes. And I think the team's going to win 32 games. Uh, so the way we're going to do this is. I want um, your picks. I, by the way, I want your. Uh, change all mine to yours. No, I'm kidding. You've got the best picks. <laughs> um. um you were prepared um, for this. So, you just you, you threw no, this I at us willy-nilly. I, I had no idea this was coming. I, I, I did not <laughs> I didn't either. I didn't research. either. I thought, of this, I thought of this right when we went on. Otherwise, I would have warned you guys. Um, uh, that's why it was fun. So, uh, and it's also it's also in the spirit of, of my favorite baseball podcast I listen to, where they often will draft things very quickly um, and not think about them. So this is fun. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Um, I, I have one, one more. Hold on, hold on. One more thing we should do. We need to pick okay. the category that we think none of us got right. And I already know what category I'm picking. I think none of us got most block shots right. Oh, I think no. block, I think block shot, I think block shots is going to be Chase Jeter. So that, I thought that's the one I think we all got wrong. I'm not changing my pick, but I'm saying that's the one we all got wrong. All right, Donald, uh, what do you think we got wrong? Uh, I was going to go with blocks as well. That was probably my weakest selection. Um, I'm going to go with steals, uh, because two of you picked, you guys both picked Ingram. I picked, uh, Grayson Allen and everyone talks about how great Matt Jones was on defense last year. Um, yeah. so yeah. it's going to end up being Matt Jones. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that, I think that everyone is too high on Grayson Allen right now. I think that we expect him to be way better than he's going to be because he had an awesome, like nine minutes of national championship game. Um, so anyway. All right, uh, so we got those. We're going to say that those top six, uh, the person who, who gets the most of those right wins, and if we need a tiebreaker, uh, we're going to go with total team wins. Donald at 35, Jason at 34. I'm going to change mine to 33, not to 32. Uh, so I'm going to block Jason in. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. No, you cannot do that. <laughs> he got the block. All right, fine. I'll get this. He got the block. All right. 
Wait, is this, this, is, this is like, wait, this is like the price is right. You just bid $1, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so it's not, you don't have to, uh, you don't, you don't, you don't have to go under. Um, so Donald wins, Donald wins at 35 and over. Jason wins at 34 or I'll give Jason 34 or 33. And then I win at 32 or below. Um, so I, I got screwed. I just one. got screwed. <laughs> no, that's cool. I mean, we we're, we're not going to be counting until like the second week in April, anyway. So I feel like I'm I have a good shot. Amen, brother. Yeah. Amen. Uh, Donald, yeah. Um, all right. So th- those are our picks. I'm going to say, make sure I save my notes this week, um, which has the picks. And we'll, uh, like I said, we'll throw this to the um, forum. I will. I will reiterate. I did not think of any of these answers before we went on. I just thought that we were going to do it. Um, so trust me if you will or, or don't. Um, but we'll uh, we'll post this. Uh, obviously, we'll post this podcast in the forum as we always do. But we'll also post a question about what the uh, what the bet should be for what the winner has to do or what the loser has to do uh, on these on these bets. Sound good, guys? Sounds good to me. I I, I I'm, just want to state for the record for the record, I am not necessarily approving of whatever the forum comes up with as an embarrassing thing for the for whoever loses this to do. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to have to approve. It will have to be approved. Yeah, yeah we're going to have to screen these guys. So you can come up um, with your stuff, but we ain't we ain't running, we ain't streaking through the quad to the gymnasium. That ain't happening. And th- okay. there will be no right. head, there will be no head shaving. I'm fine with head shaving. Uh, yeah, head I know head. you I are, but I'm not. I would, I would, I would head shave. I, I, I don't mind that at all. I will not I will not do anything that will cause my wife to not sleep with me. I yeah. think we'll just I think we'll just uh we'll we'll put that on hold until next week. We'll decide before the <laughs> um before the Kentucky game. Um we'll lock in all the all the punishments or, or rewards or whatever. Um but that's my uh, that's my closing thought. Uh, thank you guys for playing along. Yeah. Uh, Jason, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, my final thing is I know everyone is going to be really, really excited with the basketball starting up this weekend um, to see all the freshmen, to see Jace, uh, Grayson Allen, who um, you know is a sophomore who didn't play a lot last year and who everyone expects to lead the team this year. Look, when we were making our picks of the guys that we think are going to do the most significant things, we were talking about um, Derek Thornton and Brandon Ingram and Grayson Allen. Um, I, I just want to take a moment and say – that I'm really looking forward to see the beginning of the senior year of Emil Jefferson and Marshall Plumley, um, two guys who have had quite the journey at Duke um, and who have really put themselves in a position where they're both going to be starters. They're both going to Duke, especially early in the season, I think is going to be led by a strong, strong interior. We're going to have one of the best interior defensive teams in the country. I think led by these two guys it's great to get caught up in recruiting. It's great to get caught up in the youngsters who oftentimes are only here for a year or two. And look, I'm very aware um, uh, when we were talking to, when we talk to coaches, they tell us, uh, you know, would you rather have talent or would you rather have experience? They'd rather have talent, but I'm looking forward to seeing our two most experienced players um, come out for their senior year and, and begin what I think could be a very, very successful campaign for both of them. So uh, that, that's, that's, that's my last, that's my parting thought. All right, and, and I was going to do a, a very, very – I'll do it very quick. A very quick prediction game uh, with the bowl games. I, I just want to get both of your takes on what bowl game do you would you like to see us in and what bowl game do you actually think we end up in. Uh, I'll kick it – I'll start with Sam. Uh, I'm going with 
the pinstripe pole. I think the Duke's going to end up in the pinstripe pole. I think it would be a good game to land in because, um, obviously, we have a lot of alumni in the New York area, and maybe it provides us an easier opponent. Um, but the, the real key is that whatever bowl game we end up in, pinstripe or belk or wherever it is, I want to win it. I want us to win a bowl game. I want us to get that monkey off our back. Uh, and and so whoever it takes, I mean, at this point, we're not playing for an ACC championship. We're not playing for an ACC coastal championship pretty much at this point. Um, so let's win a bowl game. I, I think we're going to the pinstripe bowl. And which one would you want to go to if you had your choice? If you had the if you had the uh, I, I thought that I, I, I guess Atlanta's not in our it's not part of the ACC's bowl rotation anymore. Is that right? Uh, not this year. Right? No, it's not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'd like for us to play in the Orange Bowl, but I mean, that's, that's <laughs> not going to happen. Um, I think that as far as the as far as the like, you know, um, potential games that are left at this point, I think the Pinstripe is probably the coolest one for us to be playing in, uh, even though it's in it's in sort of a, a weird stadium. Um, I think that that's that's what Duke fans should be rooting for. It's, it's kind of a weird environment to be out there and in December uh, in New York outside of the bowl game. But but I think that would be a fun one to play. And I think that, you know, the, the best thing for the team is that they get to play in lots of different games. They've been in, they've been in El Paso and they've been in um, Charlotte, Atlanta. Um, so bring us another another different one this year. I'm, I'm all into that. Jason? Um, I think uh, I, I'd like us to play in the Belk. Um, I think it'd be nice to, to play another quote-unquote home game in the state of North Carolina. Um, and I'd like us to play an SEC – the Belk would be an SEC team. Um, and I'd love to see us play an, an SEC team there um, just because in this region of the country, the SEC is the king, the SEC is the god. And it'd be really cool if Duke could uh, – even if even if the game is just close, but I'd love for us to win, of course. If we could win against an SEC team, I think that'd be a, a, a really big deal um, for Duke. Uh, uh, in, in terms of our reputation around the region um, where most people in this area of the country think uh, the SEC exists and there's nothing else other than the SEC. So, uh, and, and that's the one I think we'll probably end up in. All right. And I, I think we end up in the, in the Belk Bowl as well. Um, I think that is where we're headed this year. It, it's, it makes sense with, uh, with the local ties and, like you said, the SEC teams. Uh, and with all apologies to my, my hometown, because I think if we ended up in the quick lane bowl, it would be uh, not a good opponent and not a good game. It's also the day after Christmas. I would like to see us in Nashville because uh, I, I love Nashville and I'd love to get some, uh, some hot chicken uh, uh, meals in me and, and all of the, all of the uh, alcohol that Nashville has to offer. Um, so my, my, I think we end up in Charlotte, but if it's Nashville, see you soon, Nashville. Uh, but that's all I have. If you guys don't have anything else, I think we can finally hey, close hey, Donald, this out. Donald, yeah. really quick. You mean the Music City? The Music City Bowl, yes. Is the ACC in the Music City? We either get that or Jacksonville, and I think that is determined um, on December 7th or whatever it is. Okay, all right. Yes, I think it's one or the other, and I think it all has to do with Notre Dame. So, uh if Notre Dame is selected by one of those, then we don't. Then then we'll get either Music City or Tax Slayer. But it's one of those two. Gotcha. So, all right. Well, I guess that will do it for episode thirty-five of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Uh, again, you can check us out on the DBR forums. You can check us out on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Uh, again, I have the Channel Four News team with me. Thank you, Champ. Thank you, Brick. And I am Ron Burgundy, Duke Band. Take us home.
give you a big Labor Day surprise. Most people think if we all exercise the same and eat the same, we'd all look the same. And let me tell you why that's wrong. Your body is unique and your metabolism is unique. I'm Lacey Green, and I'm a super trainer at Body. That's B-O-D-I dot com. And you can't see me, but I don't look like your average personal trainer. I'm curvy, and I'm proud of it. So I created a program for beginners only on the Body app to show people like us how to get incredible results and be our version of happy and healthy. This isn't just workout videos. It's people like you and me. It's community. It's incredible trainers. It's easy to follow nutrition and mindset experts to help you reduce stress and just feel better. And you can get started with my new program called For Beginners Only. Now, here's the big surprise. If you go to body.com right now, that's B-O-D-I.com, not only can you get everything Body has to offer at 50% off with an annual membership, you'll also get an additional 20% off, but only during Labor Day weekend. Let's do this together. Go to body.com. That's body with an I.com.